not here today. So Yeah, James Verlander is on jury duty today. Which you said earlier. He'll get off. <laughs> yeah, if you work at a radio station, you can be excused from jury duty in a heartbeat. Yeah, they don't really want anyone from the media. <laughs> no, they certainly don't. Well, the big story is going to be tonight with the Avalanche here at Amelie Arena. Game four with the uh, Avalanche leading two games to one. So that's the big one. Let's hope they can even it up at two apiece at that point. Fingers crossed. If it was like the last series where they played the Rangers, we got this. Yep. We started out down two games and ended up winning it. So let's hope they can pull that off again. And meanwhile, the Rays beat the Yankees 5-4. to four. That's a good thing here at uh, the uh, Trop. And they're now 2-6 and six in the last eight games. Uh, they got another game with the Yankees tonight. They're off tomorrow night, I think it is. And then the Pirates are going to be here over the weekend. But meanwhile, the big game is going to be tonight with the Avalanche, game four. And it's at Amelie Arena, so let's hope they can get as worked up as they did at the last one. That's a good thing. By the way, we had a rare planetary alignment. I'm reading all about this because I'm not that familiar with it. Um uh, that won't occur again for nearly 20 years, and it's taken shape in the night sky, and it'll remain visible through the end of June, they say, but viewing it could be tricky and require losing some sleep. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn have all lined up in the early morning sky, and it's a planetary procession that can be seen above the eastern horizon every morning through the end of June. And this, well, I say it'll give risers plenty of opportunities to enjoy the sights of the planetary quintet. The last time all five of these were visible in the night sky at the same time was in 2004. And they go on to say that is the year Facebook was created and three years before the first iPhone but a telescope isn't required, but it could still be difficult to spot all five, even if the weather is predicted. But the parade of planets will best be seen about 45 to 60 minutes before sunrise on cloud-free mornings through the end of the month. And, of course, June features some of the earliest sunrises of the year, and this means heading outside before, well, in some cases, 5 a.m. to uh, look skyward. Actually, it doesn't become daylight around here until, what, about 6.45 now? Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. But uh, Mercury is the most elusive that can be seen with the naked eye because of its close proximity to the sun, and it'll remain very low on the horizon and have to be able to see their horizon, of course, and Venus will be a guide to spotting Mercury, and this is very complex, but um, 
they'll be visible through the entire second half of June, but the best morning to look up to the three uh, will be, to look up at all of them, will be the three days after the summer solstice, which occurred yesterday. Well, anyway, there's something that you can try to find. I still don't grab it all here. We'll all have to run outside and take a look. It's 5.11 on AM Tampa Bay. Time to check in with John Thomas in traffic. It ends in the NFL. Uh, maybe he's not as great as he was uh, eight or ten years ago. But, but he's, he's super effective. And one of, course, of the best. Yeah, one of the best. And, and, you know, he caught those two touchdown passes in the Super Bowl just yeah. two years ago. So yeah. that was a great uh, contribution as well. So I I hope that uh, he changes his mind, but, you know. Well, let's see. Brady did, so maybe Gronk will. Yeah, that's the that's. we'll keep our fingers Give crossed. Give us one more Super Bowl. Never say never, right, Jack? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so there's a lawsuit filed by Gabby Petito's family against Brian Laundrie's family. It's going to be the subject of a court hearing in Sarasota today. Lawyers for Laundrie's parents are asking a judge to dismiss this suit. What the parents are claiming is that Laundrie's parents knew that Brian killed Gabby but then didn't tell police. And the Petitos are accusing the Laundries of causing them pain and mental anguish. And they're asking for $100,000 in damages. Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see if they get that because... You're talking about a crime having been committed if if their family is right, if the Petito family is right. Yeah. This was a pretty major crime in that case. Well, I remember the whole thing when Brian Laundrie came back from out west in uh, Gabby's car, and he parked it at the house where his parents lived, and he managed to disappear from the house. Despite the uh, supposed police surveillance that was oh, going yeah, on down everybody there. everybody. Yeah. Watching him. So he gets away, and we later found out that he went out to that park and killed himself. Yeah. But the parents just said nothing for all that time. Remember, there's all that media down there. Everybody was trying to find out what was going on. They wouldn't say anything. And what the Petitos are arguing is that they knew the whole story and that they, they knew what he had done, and they were just covering for him. But the argument on the other side is that's their right to do so. I mean, they're not yeah. uh, they're not legally obligated to, uh, you know, put uh, their son in some sort of uh, legal jeopardy. Yeah, definitely. You know? So this one's going to be interesting when it goes to court for sure. And the only thing too, Jack, you know, other issue is that you know the, the Petitos are asking for a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know if they've seen inflation lately. But $100,000 doesn't seem like much, Not much in today's legal world, does Generally it? Generally, <laughs> $5 million or something like that. <laughs> yeah, but you'd I, think maybe their anguish would be worth more than that. But maybe they're being realistic about how much money the laundries have. I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess maybe just uh, enough to go to McDonald's or something. I guess, yeah, after all the fees are paid. Yeah. yeah maybe you can get one of the ice creams if the machines are working. <laughs> You know, the uh, Lightning, obviously, you talked about it earlier. They're, they're going to try and uh, even up the series tonight and hold serve. You know, the Avalanche won their games at home, and the Lightning are going to try and even up the series by winning two straight here. And I think it's pretty essential, Jack, because the Avalanche play a heck of a lot better up there in Colorado. Well, they sure do. You don't want to go up there and be down three games to one. Yep, let's hope it's two and two after tonight. That's right. Yep. And we have all the action for you. Puck drops at 8, pregame at 7.
And Chris will have more coming up here at the bottom of the hour in seven minutes. It's 523, and here's John Thomas with traffic. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 527 on AM Tampa Bay. And uh, Tampa police this weekend are going to do a gun buyback. And, of course, they're talking about having to keep guns out of the hands of those who shouldn't have had them to begin with. And you wonder if those are the people that are going to sell their guns back. But Tampa Police Chief Mary O'Connor said earlier this month that uh, this is going to be an effort to get illegal guns off the streets of Tampa and giving a giving people a financial incentive to do so one hundred dollars for any gun you bring in no questions asked whatsoever about where you got them or if you got them legally and it'll be from 10 to 5 uh, this saturday at two different locations at the west tampa community center on rome avenue and the southeast corner of east bird street at I-275, and both are going to be drive-through events, and all firearms must be placed in the trunk or the rear of the vehicle prior to entry. It's being funded by anonymous donors, and it'll be the first gun buyback program by the TPD in seven years. Uh, the one back in 2015 was funded by the Tampa Bay Lightning and offered $50 per gun. They got about 500 guns. And, um, again, trying to get illegal guns off the street. But you wonder how many people that shouldn't have them are going to turn them in. But you can do so with no questions asked this Saturday. It's 529 on AM Tampa Bay. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 5:44 on AM Tampa Bay. This is one of those crazy wallet hub things, and they say the um, well, a study found that Florida is one of America's least patriotic states, bested only by three states for a ranking of 47th. And this Ohio Northern University history professor um, of the Wallet Hub studies results, and he said in the latter part of the 20th century, what constitutes being a patriotic citizen has become contested as part of the culture wars. I'm fully convinced whatever professor, whatever title he has, I think that they just draw straws for these surveys. I know. That wallet hub is full of them. That's ridiculous. Whatever. But um, they say, well, Governor Ron DeSantis leading the state in often controversial directions on issues such as pandemic restrictions and the teaching of critical race theory in schools. But the uh, only states we beat for being least patriotic they're least less patriotic than we new york arkansas and rhode island and they compared 13 indicators uh of course florida ranked high in some categories that fell under military engagement coming in 19th 
but we ranked low in categories that fell under civic engagements. But, I mean, we've got veterans per capita and active duty personnel and civilian adults serving in military reserve branches. We are loaded there. I mean, we're one of the top states in the nation for that, for our military. Um, Peace Corps volunteers, America Corps volunteers, trial and grand jury duty participation, uh, and all these kind of things. But Alaska checked in as the nation's most patriotic state overall. And they, they did say measuring patriotism can be very tricky business, but they say a good patriot loves his or her country, supports it in the face of challenges, and that doesn't mean unquestioning love, but deep regard that motivates making one's nation the best that it can be. That is ridiculous. The wallet hub is full of it. But uh, nevertheless, and if you want to see real patriotism, this was so great to watch this the other night, the beginning of the Bolts game, prior to the Bolts game, and Sonia Bryson Kirksey uh, had her Bolts blue on and her blue lipstick and everything and delivered a rousing rendition of the national anthem. I mean, it was incredible. And... Um, of course, she was an Air Force veteran herself, but uh, the flag, the ice was, uh, they had the image of the flag uh, on the ice as she sang the national anthem. And, of course, you got a lot of hockey players that are from Canada, but, of course, they stood at attention during the, playing of the national and the singing of the national anthem but it was great when they showed the crowd because the crowd had their hands over their hearts and were singing along with the national anthem and it is just great that uh, well first of all it's great that Sonia Bryson Kirksey is back because um, she had COVID-19 following the team Stanley Cup celebration last July. And, of course, she's struggled with multiple sclerosis. And uh, she ended up with a month in the hospital and eight days in the ICU. But, fortunately, it did not impact her voice. And, as usual, she was incredible the other night. And, again, it was a great look at patriotism in action here at Amelie Arena. It's 549 on AM Tampa Bay. Time to check in with John Thomas in traffic. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 553 on AM Tampa Bay and time for Rory O'Neill, our NBC News radio reporter, and the report is brought to you by the Oncology Institute. And Rory, thanks for being on board here this morning. Um, we got new reports about the police response to the shooting in Ovalde, Texas. 
about? Yeah, really difficult stuff to hear yesterday during this uh, Texas Senate hearing uh, into the shooting. The Colonel Steve McCraw, the DPS, the Department of Public Safety director, saying the police officers stood by and did nothing for one hour, 14 minutes and eight seconds. They didn't even hey, see Rory, if I can, Rory, if I can break in a second, your um, signal is breaking up here a little bit. Uh, that could be my voice as well. <laughs> no, it's not your voice. It's the signal here, I think. And Katie's working on it in here and trying to get it changed. He's going to call right back. Okay. He's going to call right back again. This happened the other day, too. I think something's wrong with our line. I think that is a good possibility. He, oddly enough, did tell me when he called he was losing his voice, but I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> yeah, my voice still hadn't come back. Because of those pills I was taking because of the cough. I'll be happy to get my voice back. Man. Rory's back. Ah, Rory is back. Okay. Now about the police response to the shooting in Uvalde. Right. So these, uh, the Colonel Steve McGraw, the director of public safety, laid out for the Senate yesterday a timeline saying officers were in that school for one hour, 14 minutes, and eight seconds before taking any action to burst into that classroom, they didn't even check to see if the door was locked. Uh, he, he said that officers were would have outnumbered the suspect with uh, you know, even with the weaponry three minutes uh, after the shooting began, but still they stood back and did nothing for more than an hour. So some very critical comments, uh, calling it an abject failure uh, by law enforcement uh, as that sh- shooting left 19 children and two teachers dead. Yeah, I'm thinking they're going to be in a lot of trouble in Uvalde, the uh, police are, for not responding as they did because they could have perhaps saved a lot of those lives had they gone on in there because, as you pointed out, the doors were unlocked. Right, and, you know, a decision was made, likely by the Uvalde uh, police chief, to Treat this as a hostage standoff rather than an active shooter. In an active shooter, you're much more aggressive. You go in, take out the shooter no matter what. In a hostage standoff, you lay back, negotiate, try to get a peaceful resolution. So a decision was made early on to treat this as a hostage negotiation, uh, and that was quite literally a fatal mistake. Well, it certainly was. Well, Rory O'Neill, our NBC News radio reporter, and it's good to hear your voice properly here on Twitter. <laughs> it still hurts to talk, though, i got to tell you. <laughs> yeah, on Twitter at Radio Rory, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Jack. This report brought to you by the Oncology Institute, a new kind of cancer care provider focused on clinical outcome, patient satisfaction, and designing a treatment plan that's right for you. Six locations in the Bay Area make an appointment at uh, the oncologyinstitute.com. It's 557 on AM Tampa Bay. What, like the iOS updates are in the iPhone, but this particular feature, I don't, I don't even know what Daniel's talking about. So it'll be interesting. Oh, yeah. And I got to ask him about our phones anyway. I mean, it still blows my mind when we're driving somewhere, we're traveling, and we'll be talking about some place we might want to stop or some place we might want to go stop and grab a beer or something like that and ads pop up on on the iPhone
And you think, how did they know we were talking about that? All the time. I know, it's listening to you. I swear sometimes I think of things in my head, I don't even say them out loud, and I get an ad for it on my phone. Oh, man, that's (laughs) even scarier. Well, anyway, we'll talk to them about that. Hey, we got some birthdays, first of all. Uh, Amy Newman Bonchek, Stephen Baltimore, Janet Carr Ward, Chip Weiner, Karen Gonzalez Pittman, Michael Keach, and Mark Royals. So you see Amy, Stephen, Janet, Chip, Karen, Michael, or Mark, wish them a very happy birthday today. Happy birthday to them and also to PJ Champagne, Christian Botcher, and Bryce Gonzalez. Ah, we'll add those. Happy birthdays. Um, I'm looking here for a joke of the day sent in by Ben Ritter. Did you hear about the woman who was shot three times by a Florida Highway Patrolman? No. Turns out she had just filled up her gas tank and had spilled some gas on her arm shirt sleeve as she was pulling the gas her spout out of her gas tank and before going back on the road she lit up a cigarette and a spark from the cigarette lit her arm on fire and the woman screaming for help waved her arm trying to put the fire out and a highway patrolman who happened to be nearby filling up his vehicle's gas tank ran over and saw the woman flailing about in extreme pain and without hesitation He pulled out his handgun and shot her three times. And a few weeks later in court, the judge asked the patrolman, why on earth did you shoot at that innocent woman? And the patrolman answered, well, your honor, she was waving around a firearm. Uh Thank you, Ben Ritter, for that one. George sent in one the other day. It was pretty good, but... I sent it to my email, and I haven't been able to get my email for the last couple of days for some reason. But nevertheless, there's one from Ben, and George, you can resend it. I'll download it at home. It's 6.10 on AM Tampa Bay, and time to check in now with John Thomas and traffic. What her journey on foot to warn Lieutenant James Fitzgibbon. 1839 Cherokee leaders Major Ridge, John Ridge, and Elias Budino are assassinated for signing the Treaty of New Ekata, which had resulted in the Trail of Tears. 1870, the U.S. Department of Justice is created by the U.S. Congress. 1898, Spanish-American War and a chaotic operation 6,000 men of the U.S. 5th Army Corps began landing at Daiquiri, Cuba, about 16 miles east of Santiago. Uh, Lieutenant General Arsenio Linares y Pombo of the Spanish Army, they outnumbered them two to one, but did not oppose the landings. In 1918, the Hammond Circus Train wreck killed 86 and injured 127 near Hammond, Indiana. 
1941. The uh, in World War II, Nazi Germany invaded the Soviet Union in Operation Barbarossa. In 1942, World War II, Erwin Rommel is promoted to field marshal after the Axis capture of Tobruk. In 1942, the Pledge of Allegiance is formally adopted by the U.S. Congress. And by the way, that was written by Francis Bellamy, who retired here, spent his latter years here, uh, on a street off Bayshore. And there's a marker in front of his house where he lived. Well, the house has been rebuilt and somebody else is living there now, but that was Francis Bellamy and the um, condos on Bayshore. In fact, their next hours are called the Bellamy, named after Francis Bellamy. 1944, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed into law the Servicemen's Readjustment Act of 1944 that was commonly known as the GI Bill. 1945, in World War II, the Battle of Okinawa came to an end. In 1969, the Cuyahoga River caught fire in Cleveland, drawing national attention to water pollution and spurring the passing of the Clean Water Act and the creation of the Environmental Protection Agency. 1984, Virgin Atlantic launched with its first flight from London to Newark. 1990, in the Cold War, Checkpoint Charlie is dismantled in Berlin. That was the uh, Berlin Wall that separated East and West Berlin at one time, and I got to see that several times before it was dismantled, or I got to see it once before before it was dismantled, and Checkpoint Charlie was the area where the East Germans allowed seniors to cross over on Easter and to come join their relatives on the other side because they didn't want to have to care for them any longer. But that was Checkpoint Charlie. In 2009, a Washington, D.C. metro train traveling southbound near Fort Totten Station collided with another train waiting to enter the station. Nine people were killed in the collision, eight passengers and the train operator, and at least 80 others were injured. And finally, in 1905... The city bought the Tampa Bay Hotel. The city of Tampa bought the Tampa Bay Hotel for $140,000 cash. Of course, that is now where the University of Tampa is. And that is our Today in History presented by Fitzgerald Auto Mall. At Fitzgerald, it all begins with a low price in writing posted on the window of every car. Transparency and trust, that's the Fitz way. And it's 621 on AM Tampa Bay, and time to check in now with John Thomas and traffic. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. 
It's 625 on AM Tampa Bay, and uh, we're joined right now by Aaron Real, our NBC News radio reporter. And um, Aaron, we've got the Biden administration pushing for new standards on nicotine in cigarettes. And, that is... Yeah. Yep, absolutely right. They're moving forward with this plan to mandate the elimination of nearly all nicotine in cigarettes. And it's a policy that would really kind of upend this $95 billion U.S. cigarette industry here here in this country. Yeah, and of course, it's nicotine that people who smoke want to get out of that. I mean, it's a feel. It's It's something you kind of get hooked on. It's what makes you a smoker in the first place because you get hooked on the nicotine. You're 100% correct. It's the nicotine that's the addictive substance, and the tobacco and all the other carcinogens in it are what ultimately kills you. Uh, So this is all kind of part of the White House's retooled cancer moonshot. That's what they're calling it. And he's basically promised to reduce cancer death rates by 50% over 25 years. That's a big, big ask. However, if you remove the number one cause of preventable death in the U.S., which is smoking, and accounts for about 480,000 American deaths are smoking-related each year. So if you remove that, you're well on your way to achieving that that 50% over 25 years. Yeah, but of course, it's something that people want to do. I mean, they realize they're risking their lives when they take up smoking in the first place. Um, but, I mean, it would seem that if people want to risk their lives, they can go on and do so. You are 100% correct. And actually, you're you're really echoing what a lot of libertarian groups, Reason Foundation, which is a libertarian think tank, actually came out and said that this is kind of akin to prohibition of alcohol in the 1920s. They yeah. first did away with menthol cigarettes. And it's like this is the freedom to choose whether or not you want to smoke is is the right uh, so mandating less tobacco less nicotine in the cigarettes is is a form of prohibition yes yeah you're right it would be like like when they banned alcohol back in the in the uh, 30s exactly uh, and here's the good news if you are a smoker it's going to take a while for this all to happen it could take at least a year for the FDA to actually submit this report, so that that's a long time. It's going to be May 2023 before the FDA publishes this proposed rule. Then you have the public who are able to comment, and then you, they will likely be sued by the tobacco industry. So there's a there's a minute before this goes into effect. And that means uh, Biden is going to lose another segment of the population that are going to be voting against him when he runs in 2024. And that is smokers. <laughs> yep, and it's about 12.5% of all adults in the U.S., so there you go. <laughs> That's a pretty significant group. Well, Aaron, Indeed. thanks for joining us this morning, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, thank you. Aaron Real, our NBC News radio reporter, and it's 628 on AM Tampa Bay. And the man got charged with theft, uttering threats, and assault. So I'm guessing this is the guy who stole the home. On all these websites, it just keeps saying, as an addition to the story a man was arrested uh, i mean he was charged with theft so clearly this is the man who stole a home i don't know how do you steal a home unless it's a mobile home or well it was i don't know if it was a mobile home or it was a home like on a big trailer i'm assuming it was a mobile home because i don't 
I don't know how homes work when you're moving them, but it was attached to a trailer, like ready to be moved down the interstate. Like they were relocating the oh, home okay. and the man just attached it to whatever vehicle he had and at two thirty in the morning and said, I'll take this. But police are still searching for the house. They haven't found the house. I don't know how this man got charged with theft if they haven't found the house. But on every story I've read on this, they are still looking for the home. <laughs> Where do you hide a house? Yes, indeed. And I looked at pictures of the house. I mean, it's not massive. It's definitely a house that can go down the interstate. But, I mean, it's also not a house I could hide in my backyard. (laughs) It's weird. Well, a house thief. There you go. And yet, house arrest. (laughs) I mean, I get it. Houses are expensive. So, I, I mean, if I saw one just hanging around, I can't say it wouldn't cross my mind. I also read this weird story. This has nothing to do with home theft, but doesn't necessarily count for dope of the day. But uh, the city of Vigo, Spain, has decided to fine people for urinating in the sea. So swimmers could face up to $800 in fines for urinating in the sea. And I want to know, do they have life light lifeguards patrolling this? How on earth? How are they- can they tell? Exactly. How are- like you can hang up signs all day long that say don't urinate in the sea, $800 fine. But listen, if I got to go and I'm in the middle of the ocean i'm not going to be like who's watching me like there's no lifeguard patrolling whether you're going to go in the ocean i mean people do it in swimming pools all the time so weird well you can't tell unless they're standing up on the side of the pool yeah i listen you don't want to do that yeah that 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 would be repulsive Uh, in a swimming pool it's a little different but in the ocean listen i'm all for it yeah if it all comes on shore ultimately well, that's our dope of the day, et cetera. And we got our smart guy of the day, Daniel James Scott, coming up in a minute, talking about a cool new feature on the uh, iPhone, the iOS update on the iPhone. It's 641. Time to check in now with John Thomas and traffic. The idea that we're going to be able to instantaneously conduct something that would have taken us hours before is, is awesome. Oh, man, that is. But, uh, yeah, and just drag it to messages or other applications. That's and, well, and, and put Jack in, in interesting and fun situations. The promos that Katie's going to come up with, uh, <laughs> I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see that either. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to reap what I sow here because Katie's going to put my face in some weird stuff now. <laughs> like, oh, if I could do it quick, Daniel's just going to be diving off a, a diving board. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> uh, we were, again, also talking about that those things popping up on your phone when you're using the GPS on there. That still blows me away how it listens to you and you bring up something and boom, it's got an advertisement for it on there. And I was telling Jack during the break that it is not a surprise to me that it, that a, a map system was offering a bar location close to where he's at. <laughs> <laughs> There's the artificial intelligence there. It doesn't have to be that intelligent. But yeah, the, the idea that you're kind of moving around and it, it says, hey, you, you tend to stay at hotels because you do you travel quite frequently. Is, yeah. Um, the, the idea that I don't have to have that much information about you to be able to make that suggestion is... 100% terrifying because it's not it something is. we would have thought about in our daily lives 10 years ago. Oh, um, I know. But I was I was also telling Jack uh uh Katie that uh 
it also suggests Wendy's to me a lot, like more than a, more than it should for a guy who's not eaten at Wendy's in like the last three decades. <laughs> You're going to have to go there to make it stop. Maybe it's an advertisement. Maybe they're trying to get me back. Maybe <laughs> maybe it is smart. They are. Uh, Daniel James Scott, our WFLA tech expert, and you'll find him at sparkcatalyst.com and on Twitter at sparkcatalyst. And believe me, this guy knows his stuff. So great to see you, sir. Great to see you. We'll see you next week. Sounds great. If not before, if something weird comes up. Perfect. We might have to call you. It's 6.50 on AM Tampa Bay and John Thomas has got our traffic. Computer got you all comboozled? It's the techno babble you just don't have time to understand. It's time for Technically Speaking with Daniel James Scott on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And uh, you and I were talking so hard. I think it just introduced you, didn't it, Daniel? It did. Daniel James Scott, our WFLA tech expert at sparkcatalyst.com. And uh, reading the tease here about a new feature on the iPhone that allows you to pull any object out of a photo and drag it to messages or other applications. What's all that all about? Instantly. So if there's a photo or there's a video in the new operating system, iOS 16, you'll be able to stop, pick up a particular object just by holding it with your thumb and move it to a different application. So if I have a photo of you, which is, I'm just warning you, this is going to happen. If I have a photo (laughs) of you, I can pull you out. I can remove the background completely and I can put you in iMessages and put you in other uh, odd situations, which again, is just going to (laughs) happen. Wow. Now this is like super cool because I I think... um, you know, I, I normally see Katie working back there, you know, building promos and stuff. And oh, yeah. I, I'm using Canva, and it, it takes a while to kind of pull these things out. But to be able to do it instantaneously is, yeah. is kind of incredible. What do you do? Scoot your hand across it or what? Just hold the object in the photo. Apple will magically pull it out, and you can literally drop it to wherever you want it to go. You and I talk all the time about artificial intelligence and it replacing jobs. But one of the things that's really kind of incredible about this is the idea that artificial intelligence could help you be creative. Um, you and I both could be creative, but I don't think either one of us are particularly interested in spending the hours necessary to learn Photoshop. So no. this idea, just a, just an interesting stat, Apple's neural engine performs 40 billion operations in a second to allow this to happen. In a second? That's just to make allow you and I to send fun, clever texts back and forth to each other, which is, I think, is just a magical. Uh, but that's the kind of artificial intelligence that we need is to to allow us to be more human. To be, we'll send more messages to each other if we have the ability to do this, and I think that's just wonderful. Yeah, that's it's a little scary again. <laughs> it's a little scary, but, but man, I, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 6.54 on AM Tampa Bay, and we've got, uh, we were talking about it earlier this morning, a rare planetary alignment that won't happen again for another 20 years and taking shape through the end of June uh, with Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn 
all lined up in the early morning sky. And they say you can see it above the eastern horizon every morning through the end of June. I did not see anything this morning, but uh, I hope our other listener can check it out tonight and, well, maybe this morning or whatever and give us a call and report on that tomorrow morning i'd like to hear about it john thomas wrote and said he could see saturn jupiter and mars venus and mercury were still a little low on horizon for him and if you miss it you can just check it out in 2042 there you go in 2042 yeah yeah so no worries well john needs to call tomorrow and tell us about that (laughs) get a report on it for sure Hey, you got to check out our uh, blog here because Katie's got some good stuff on here, as usual. Two girls taking pictures of each other, Oceanside, experience an epic fail. Yeah, um, I think even if they got the picture they were looking for, I don't think their phone survived this. (laughs) And a bunch of good ones. One of these for our older folks, the... Sunday TV programs from the 60s. We're talking about um, oh, the Ed Sullivan Show, some of the great famous guests that he had on there. Uh, plus, how cows get to the vet in Switzerland. I've got to check that out. But there's a lot of good stuff on there at WFLA 8 or amchampabay.com, AM champabay.com you want to check that out for sure and what have you all got coming up here well of course we're going to be uh previewing the big game tonight and then we also have the author of cigar city mafia he's going to be on the show a little bit later on and he's going to tell us the story of tampa's mafias that wasn't guzo that wrote that one is it no no uh, somebody different uh but it should be really interesting can't wait to oh that yeah we on. had quite a incredible mafia story here and Ebor City. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, they were ahead of the rest of the country. Yeah. <laughs> by a long shot. Santo Trapicante. Trapicante. When Ted was still with us, sometimes we would take rides through old school West Tampa, and he would point out, he points out a place, anybody that had mob activity would point it out. <laughs> or a house where a mobster lived. You go, yeah, oh, you he know, knew it all. He knew it all. <laughs> Trapicante, for sure. Well, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 5 on. A.M. Champa Bay. Live it up.